You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, guys and gals. Uh, Rolling on through the week here for what will be your Friday edition of Locked On Browns. Some topics to get to, obviously camp-related, some rookies, some second-year vets, bunch of listener questions. So we're going to roll on through this here. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, your local experts on the biggest Stories for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, uh, helped along by the fine folks. And the support of Locked On Browns comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaping offers precision-engineered tools for the family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDON, capital L, capital O, at manscaped.com. That's 20% at manscaped.com. Dot com with the promo code capital L locked capital O on. Uh, always appreciate everybody with the sponsorship and you know the advertising opportunities for locked on Browns. Um, Pete, a lot of people had been asking, and you know, look, we kind of a lot of it was look, you know, Odell was here. You know, we had mentioned this a lot where it was going to cost somebody or somebody's some reps, but maybe now a little bit more on Antonio Callaway. And I randomly, you know, obviously the Browns put out through their Twitter account the day everybody was showing up to camp, and I just, you know, nothing other than just an observation. Wow, Antonio Callaway looks pretty thick. And for a little dude, he he is thick, Antonio Callaway. He's definitely got that running back build to him. Um, But apparently that may have been something that was holding him back here. I mean, much better day for Antonio Callaway today. Um, But maybe maybe a little too much bulk. Uh, But, you know, there's, you know, everybody sometimes will say, you know, out of shape and not, and take it for the literal sense, literal sense, and not think a little bit deeper into it. Well, I mean, uh, there could be a lot of things. Uh, you know, it sounds like in this case, it it just was he didn't. You know, he basically enjoyed his, uh, you know, summer vacation a little too much, and that doesn't mean he sat there just eating the whole time. It just means maybe he wasn't, you know, doing enough to stay ready to go. I mean, he by all accounts, crushed OTAs, but you get a month off. And if you don't do anything, uh, you're going to lose, you know, it, it takes about two weeks for you to start losing your, your, uh, you know, your stamina, your endurance. And, you know, even if he, you know, wasn't necessarily on the the buffet circuit, you know, if he's just not doing anything, then he's going to lose that and come in sort of uh, a little bit out of shape. Uh, and, and this is new for him. He's never, you know, he's never been in a situation where, you know, he essentially could look after himself for a little while. Uh, to this point, he hadn't been, uh, other than the year off he had at Florida. So, uh, you know, he's immature. He's still got a lot to learn, uh, and that that's part of it. Uh, clearly, it's not, you know, the end of the world uh, as he is, is picking it up, but the only thing you notice with it is because the competition is so – so dense uh, that it it it's not it didn't take long to fall to to fall what looked to be noticeably behind uh, when you've got Beckham Landry and, and Higgins in front of you you know you you've got to be at your best to sort of fit in and when you're not then it looks like something's wrong and and in this case there was something wrong it just wasn't the end of the world but you know hopefully this means he can start. Putting uh, putting together a streak of good days and 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 offer sort of what he has 
to this team. And what I'd like to see, honestly, in addition to, you know, obviously I think he'll end up being the third or fourth receiver. Uh, you know, they, they may take over some of the Brashad Perryman duties uh, of being that vertical guy uh, is I'd like to see him take over as, as at least the punt returner um, because he is a thick guy who's quick. I mean, he's, he's a former tailback uh, and he ha- you know, he has strength. That's part of what makes him good as that receiver is, is when he runs a slant, he's physically powerful enough to own that space. And when he gets the ball in his hands, he's a guy who can run through arm tackles and, and get, get up the field that way. Uh, that is part of the reason they like him is, is he is a thicker body and, and, you know, some of those guys will sneak up on you in terms of just how dense they are. He's not overly tall, but he's very thickly built and strong. And that's part of the reason they, they got him. That's what ma- that's part of the profile that makes for a very good yards after the catch receiver, which is one of the things he does very well. Um, and I was talking with uh, Brendan Leister today, and obviously you guys know Brendan. He's been on the show, obviously, uh, in the past. And, uh, you know, he said you would look at him standing next to Higgins, and now Rashard Higgins probably has a couple inches on him. And he said, you know, the weight disparity between the two. And, look, Rashard is not, you know, Rashard is not really, you know, definitely probably middle of the road. Um, but, you know, for Callaway, and th- this is what it is, though. I mean, if you get, a, you know, you get a little bit too big, you're losing your wiggle. Um, you know, you're losing your you know, vertical speed, which is – you know, Antonio's case, a huge asset to his game, which, you know, really, you know, obviously you go back to that New Orleans catch where everybody said, you know, where the hell did that outfielder essentially come from? And, you know, also you, you know, the two deep plays against Houston, you know, obviously one was the fumble, which, you know, his running back upbringing essentially was probably part of it because he just felt that way. But he's a really valued asset, you know, tunnel screens. And look, Freddie loved the possibility of giving wide receivers the ball last year and then using it in a trick plays. Um, there's going to be a role role here for him, um, and he did have a good camp. So, I mean, I don't know if either, A, he said, man, this is going to be a tough numbers game and maybe got a little down on himself. B, you know, it's, it's still his first NFL offseason. Uh, you know, he's got to, you know, you got to learn, and there's ways to talk about it. And we've talked about this with the guys who've been on the show. Like, you know, they know what their offseason is. The plan is already in place before that season ends, you know, all right, then I'm going to go away. This is when I start picking up this. This is when we're going to start working on this. Uh, but apparently, you know, they've, you know, had him, you know, obviously working on agility, uh, you know, getting that back because, you know, that's one of the reasons they valued him so much. And, you know, I ultimately took the opportunity on a guy who was troubled off the field. So there, there's a role for Antonio here, even if he may be, you know, maybe, you know, it's going to be, you know, Odell's going to be out there for every rep Odell can take. And then it's going to be a mixture as Freddie sees it fit of the other three, you know, and with Antonio, don't start off slow because now you may have gotten yourself, but he's got an opportunity. I think of the four, he should probably get the most preseason reps. So he's got a chance obviously to earn that piece of the pie back. But, you know, these things happen and it's not uncommon with younger players. And I remember years past, there were some guys who would come back as their second year and they would come back a little heavier because, you know, they had a tough time sustaining their weight throughout the season. So there's, there's a million ways these guys handle it. Uh, it doesn't always mean necessarily it works out for the best. Uh, another thing from today. He's another guy with a very young daughter. And, you know, that finding that balance uh, is, is more difficult than some people realize. So I don't know maybe if that was, that was the thing where basically he's trying to, you know, spend as much quality time with her as possible before he goes off to camp. And that's sort of what got in the way of him being able to stay uh, at, at peak shape. Again, he'll be fine. I, it seems like he'll be fine, but 
these are you know balancing the life of an NFL player uh, is is can be tricky. And and look, you know, and he's got a one year old, so you know, it's a one year old. You know, and what are you doing usually at night? You're usually sitting on the couch. Um, they usually fall asleep in your arms, and you know, sometimes there's a snack or something that goes along with it. It's you know, and the fact that he's just so young in age still, still. So you know. But look, I mean, the, the most important thing with Antonio Callaway is that we are talking on the field stuff. That is, that's exactly what you want to hear. Uh, he can fix all that. He can write that. Um, Mike Prefer, and, you know, if I have it my way, well, first things first, Odell got to do some team today and did more of it, and <laughs> it was humming. Baker added humming. Um, but Mike Prefer, well, if I have it my way, I, I think I'd like to have Odell as my punt returner. Yeah, Pete, that, that, that's the no, bro. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's not a surprise. I mean, if you're a special teams coach, you're going to look at a bunch of guys. I mean, hell, I, I expect he'd be more than happy to have Miles Garrett return punts. I mean, David Ajoku. What, what were we bitch about uh, last year? David Ajoku blocking a punt, <laughs> but that obviously wasn't preferred. But go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, one of those deals where you're, you're a special teams coach, and you'd like to have a lot of guys that you're never going to have access to. Uh, you know, for the Cleveland Browns, famously, you know, one of the things they got ripped apart for endlessly was uh, having the more than reasonable idea of putting Kellen Winslow in on uh, onside kick re- recover uh, and ultimately broke his leg doing that. So, you know, you got to find that balance of who, who you're going to put in there and who you're not. But, yeah, he's not going to see any of those guys, but that's. You know, if you're going to ask him, I'm sure that he'd love to have a lot of guys that he's never going to get a hold of. Hey, look, and you know, what they're going to say already is, look, we beefed up this roster. You've got your guys to work from. But look, if it's a it's a fourth quarter opportunity where you need a sure fair catch, that's fine. If it's a fourth quarter opportunity where, hey, you know, maybe we can get a quick spark here, you know, because we got to get some points. But no, you're not going to waste Odell. You know, and look, he does obviously have a little bit of an injury history. Um, you can find somebody else to do those jobs. So just don't worry about that. And it's actually it's funny. Um, my first year coaching, I'm coaching at Wall High School here in New Jersey, and I'm coaching wide receivers and I'm coaching defensive backs. And we're about a week away from our opener. Our quarterback had already had a full ride to South Carolina as a pitcher. It was a phenomenal baseball pitcher. Camp's going on. Camp's going on. Jeff, who's our best strong safety? Jeff, who's our best strong safety? Brian Kirby's our best strong safety. Well, the baseball coach doesn't want to play in defense because he's already got a scholarship and he's worried about I was like, well, you asked me who the best strong safety is, so that that's the answer. I, I'm not the head coach here. So we're getting closer and closer. And the kid wanted to play. Look, he was his senior year. He wanted to, you know, obviously wanted to do everything. He was a three-sport athlete. And so, you know, we all sat down and, you know, here was the kid, here was the head coach, here was me. Uh, Coach Lloyd tells us that you've been the best strong safety of the entire camp. And he's like, well, I really want to play defense. You guys have never let me play defense. You know, he was a quarterback since he was a sophomore. And he's like, all right, you know what? We're going to let you play defense. All right, we go out. First quarter of the opener. First play the other team runs. Loss of three yards. Brian Kirby makes the play in the backfield. Brian Kirby is laying there, grabbing at his shoulder. People are yelling and screaming at the head coach. What did we just do? So we walk out there, and I just go just like this. I'm like, Brian, is it your right shoulder or your left shoulder? My left shoulder. So we were like a little mini fist bump, like, whew, we're okay. We're walking off at halftime. The baseball coach, what the hell is wrong with you? And my head coach says, 
he should be out there. He's going to get hurt. And the head coach, will just see where he made the play? He made it three yards behind, three yards in the backfield. So I was ultimately right. But uh, And Brian Kirby did go on to a pretty successful career down in South Carolina as a pitcher. But, you know, you got to sometimes protect things for, uh, you know, the greater good. And maybe, you know, shouldn't have your starting uh, quarterback at strong safety. Maybe free. But that was just a funny story along the way. But, yeah, it's great for Prefer. And, hey, it's, everybody wants to want. But it may be in a key situation. But let's hope that's one you never have to get to. And, look, if you have Antonio Callaway, who could part, you know, look to be a good fit as a punt returner, you might want to just go on ahead and, you know, just let him take that because, obviously, he's not going to get the amount of wide receiver reps that Odell Beckham is going to get. This episode is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? If you are interested in running your own business, text 5STAR to 87000 right now to learn more. With Five Star Painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality of life running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your landscape business to meet your personal and professional goals, and you will go home every day with the satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. As a five-star painting owner, you'll also be part of the greater neighborly community of home service brands. Neighborly has empowered more than 3,700 entrepreneurs to achieve their dreams and goals through local business ownership. No one knows the home service industry better than Neighborly. Every year, nearly 1 million customers are proudly served by one of Neighborly's 22 award-winning brands, some of which include Mosquito Joe, Molly Maid, Glass Doctor, and Mr. Rooter. Um, my family owns their own business, my father. I own my own business. It's it does make things easier. Of course, there's headaches that come along with it because you are the man in charge. But it does it, it, the flexibility, and especially having two children and a wife who works as well, it does make things a little bit easier. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you're already running your own painting company, text five star to eight seven zero 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 to learn more about how a five star painting franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than going it alone. Again, text 5STAR to 8700 to learn more about the neighborly brands that may be available in your area, and we thank them for their sponsorship of the Locked On Browns podcast. But Pete, yeah, and look, this is even the thing, and um, we've been talking about this a little bit, um, and Sione Takitaki, and look, there wasn't much coverage that it was done at BYU. Um we and you've been on this for a while now. Look, and it's okay that we know exactly what Sioni Takitaki is right now. He is going to be a bully in the run game. You tell him that is the hole you need to be challenging. He's going to be there, and he's going to bring the thunder. Um, whether or not he can turn out to be a coverage guy, and look, I mean, you're talking about Joe Mixon twice a year. You're talking about James Conner twice a year, and, and just the... Some of the, you know, it, it, even look at last year's schedule. It was McCaffrey, and it, some of these guys you have to deal with. You know, I'm not sure if he's truly going to be able to handle that role. And the way this defense is going to work, I mean, and we keep hearing four two five, four two five, but it doesn't mean that of the two of the linebackers, it couldn't be Joe and yet another safety. There's so many ways this can work. But uh, Sione Takitaki, a little struggles in the coverage. And look, I'll tell you right now, guys, if Duke Johnson was going every day and Kareem Hunt was going every day, we'd probably hear more of this. 
Um, a, it's probably pretty good because you knew Hilliard and Chubb are growing as receivers. But, you know, it, it's a concern now, and I'm sure he's going to get a ton of work once preseason games get going. Um, look, I mean, Sione Takitaki was an edge player. He was Denard Avery, essentially. Right. Uh, he was a he was an edge player his, his first couple of years, and then this, the last year he's moved to a, a Sam backer. But you know they still had him mostly pass rush. He did some drops, but his his exposure to pass drops is limited. Uh, he he's seen very little in that respect. So you know everything you've seen from him is basically what he's shown in college. I mean, like they knew they were going to go a hard ass athletic dude who's going to hit you in the mouth. Uh, the whole question was, could they take his athleticism and his instincts and, and, and develop that into the ability to cover if they can, you know, he could be the Mike backer next year. Uh, if he can't, then he becomes sort of a limited role player and maybe he has to sort of work as a an edge rusher slash Sam Backer again with sort of a varied role, not unlike Jannard Avery. I think they believe in his ability their their ability to develop him. Uh my big question with him is does he have the hips? That's that's my big question mark. But he doesn't need to be Joe Schobert. I mean that'd be great, but that's how difficult that is to find. But that's you know why I uh, why I'm you know why I think it's in, in, incredibly important to to keep Schobert is uh, I, I think the dream scenario is is Taki Taki ends up at that Mike Backer giving all Browns fans especially the ones that don't like Schobert the hard ass they want in the middle uh, and and get Schobert into a spot that's a little bit better for what he does really well is just play in space cover and then you know I, I think he's perfectly fine in in, in play in the box, but you know, it gives them a little bit more toughness in all across the board uh, to have that. So they can be a, a really strong run defensive run defending team that can then have a, some, some really good linebacker play in coverage. Now we'll see if they actually go with that. That's my theory of the case, but that's the whole, that's the entire thing with Sione Takitaki. This is, they, they knew this when they got him. Uh, they are going to be working with him. I expect he's going to have a bunch of struggles with this, and it's going to look ugly at times. But he needs all the reps he can get. Uh, and he, and you know, for a guy who hasn't done a ton of it, you know, you're trying to cover David Njoku. You know, that's going to come with some ugly situations. And at the same time, I won't be surprised if he accidentally chops a receiver in half gr- crossing the middle because he's you know if if he. <laughs> If he understands that, you know, he's supposed to, you know, n- basically knock out crossers, he's going to knock out all the crossers. Um, so y- you're going to have a little bit of give and take with that, but I expect he's going to struggle. And, and when you get into preseason, I won't be surprised if he has some ugly moments. But if he can get through it and he can get better, uh, you know, this isn't about, you know, how quickly he can impact the field now. Now, if he picks it up really fast, uh, he's going to get on the field because of the rest stuff he – he offers, but I, I think, you know, the, the thought process here was if we can get him ready for 2020, we're in great shape. Uh, and, and we'll see if that happens. But this doesn't surprise me in the least. Uh, Steve Wilkes sort of acknowledged this when he was asked about it, but, you know, he just hasn't done it. Uh, and that's that's going to be interesting. And, and, and you know, it, it, I'd be very curious to know how much he's sort of picking the brain of Joe Schobert 
because when Joe Schobert came out of Wisconsin, he was playing sort of a Sam backer. Now he had a hell of a lot more experience in defending uh, the pass and, and coverage stuff, but he was still an edge rusher guy. But he was also who, a high school safety as well, so none of this came too unfamiliar for him. But having that perspective of you know seeing that part of the field and then you know being able to sort of turn that on, I'd be curious to know how much Taki Taki is sort of picking his brain about that transition and and what he can do. So those are all interesting things interesting things to watch for me. But that as far as Sione Taki Taki, if he's killing the run, that's as expected. None none of this is surprising. The overhitting, all that stuff. That's that's. That was that was understood when he was coming out. The entire thing with him is how does he develop in the pass coverage area? He he just didn't do it, and that's where you want to see the growth. Uh, and my guess is there will be a he'll get some sort of personal foul in this preseason. There's no doubt about it. This guy is so amped up to just smoke people. And actually, you talking about that, and I'm thinking, you know, trips to one side or whatever. And hey, be alert! One of these three guys is going to be running a three to five yard crosser. Right. That, yeah, make, that, sure you get a, make sure you get a bump on him, and it won't be a bump. You'll just see a body flying back him. towards the offensive line. Yeah, he'll just he'll, he'll just step up and deck a dude, and probably and, and and that'll happen, and they'll probably get beat on that deeper crosser, uh, exposing it. But it'll look great as a highlight, and then he'll be dead wrong on what his assignment was. Exactly. But and that's you know it's part of it. And you know, look, he's you know. He's going to have to ex- – a lot of his game is going to have to expand. Um, you know, it's not like he's coming, you know, and I'm not trying to belittle BYU, but it's not like he's coming from the SEC or, you know, it's it, – there's going to be some parts of his game that are going to need some work. And, you know, and people I think kind of took it wrong in that thread today. I'm not down on him, but it's a question of if we haven't seen it, you know, I can't guarantee you're going to be able to do it. But I'm fine with Sione Taki Taki. I, I love the fact that he's going to bring you – some 1980s, 1990s, hopefully middle linebacker type of stuff where, you know, it's going to get nasty and physical and snot bubbles in the hole. I, I definitely think, he, no doubt about it, he is that type of guy. Um, got a bunch of listener questions here to get to. And always appreciate you guys for, you know, bringing the thunder as far as this because it makes the show more fun to do. Obviously makes it a little bit easier to do. Um, my buddy, Jeff Ficarra, um, what is Corey Legit's... Contra- correct price and length of contract for the Browns. <sighs> if I could do it, Pete, one year, four million, one year, five million. I, I just want somebody with a resume in here after these after these first two guys. Uh, I, I assume whatever contract he would get would be, in, uh, you know, largely would have a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of waivers in terms of I- how many snaps. And you know so much. Other, yeah, I, I think a lot of it would be uh, hitting hitting uh, various bonuses and stuff like that based on production, snaps, all that stuff. Uh, that's because that's been the issue with with Corey Legion. It's been injuries. Uh, you know, can he stay on the field and produce? Uh, that's the question, and I think that's part. I think that's the reason the Browns haven't bit. Honestly, again, I th- and I've said this before. I think they look at their second string guys however we feel about them as sort of the baseline. And, and the only way they're going to divert from that is by getting guys who are uh, markedly better, not getting guys who are necessarily risky or upside, but downside type guys. They don't want risky guys. They want guys who can play. Now, you know, if those guys struggle or they have an injury, then I, I could see it. But right now I, I don't think 
that's where they want to be. And, and, you know, they seem very content with where they are. And, and, you know, that's why you see this thing with Trey Boston, which surprised me. One year, uh, one year, three million. One year, you're telling me you couldn't look at that. Nice. You couldn't look at that and say, this is somebody we can use for one year, three million. I don't know about that one. Especially when you're, you're running a lot of uh, big nickel. It seems like it would be great to put him and, and Demarius Randall on the field at the same time and have two coverage safeties. Now, Trey Boston, a very good coverage guy. You know, I, I don't know if he's fixed it from college. I don't think he has. He, he In college, he tackled like shit. Um, so that may be part of the problem is that Steve Wilkes, you know, and he's emphasized this. Uh, he wants DBs to tackle. Maybe that's the reason he's not wasn't interested, but he does have prior relations. It, but there is a sense that you feel like, and maybe they got, you know, one got past one, one snuck by the goalie there the second time by Carolina, no less. Uh, but yeah, uh, an interesting opportunity, but, but they seem content with what they have for better or worse. Um, they really want to develop what they have. And, and now the, you know, the emergency be uh, so getting to preseason, a lot of questions asked, not unlike the kicker situation or, or these defensive tackles that have gone by. Now, at the same time, you know, if they if if they are right and Jermaine Whitehead and Eric Murray and some of these other guys step up and play well, uh, they're going to look really smart and and they're going to you know sort of have have their uh, faith paid off in that respect. But at least for the moment, uh, we'll see. They, but they're very steadfast so far in 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 the way they're approaching depth. They've rotated. A lot of other positions we, uh, that that seem like they have less to worry about, and yet that that's where they're going. So we'll see if that changes, but at least for the moment, they seem relatively content with what they've got. Um, it's yeah, I mean, but look, I mean, that one year million. Oh, it sticks in your craw. There's no yeah, question, and especially because you, you met with them, and I, I, I don't know, just 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 seems odd because it just it, it would it would just add you know. Obviously, one more guy that you you know. Obviously, with the familiar you know the system and just it seems weird. And I wish sometimes you know you could get some answers on these types of things. From Casey Kinnaman, um, <laughs> this is actually kind of funny. Um, with uh, and you know obviously Tony Grossi. Look, Jake Burns has done very well. Um, you know, and he's bringing a lot to some of these pressers afterwards by actually asking football stuff. And look, you know, I mean, you saw it yesterday with Tony Grossi. You see it with some of these other ones. And there's this weird aspect of when you get a player's availability, the first thing they want to do is ask them about another player. Some of it seems so weird. Um, But, yeah, Jake's done a really good job. And, you know, uh, and this is one area where Jake is fantastic. Obviously, you know, you learn a little bit more. And that's what he's been bringing to to camp this week. So, yeah, it's fun. And, yeah, I mean, but this is kind of what – Pete and I have been on for a while. What are some of these older guys or older media members who don't want to put in the work to get better now where fans have so much accessibility, whether it's all 22, whether it's using PFF and understanding how it applies. And when you have people who do this for a living and are getting paid for it, refuse to do it. And you want to ask stupid questions about a mustache for Christ's sakes, Pete. Well, I'll defend, I'll defend gross, which is, Mark it down. One of the few times this is ever going to happen. I will defend only in the sense that Grossi was really trying to get back in there and be playful with uh, Baker after getting crushed earlier in the presser. Uh, the funny part with Jake Burns is if you watch media availabilities and you can't hear the reporter's question, but it's really long, it's Jake Burns. And like, there's one with, there's one with uh, the offensive coordinator 
where he starts with the first part of your question. It's uh, okay. That's Jake Burns. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it doesn't always hit when he tries to make a technical question. Like I poked fun at the one where uh, he asked, you know, something to Greedy Williams about, you know, if he had been doing a certain technique at LSU and, and Greedy Williams, very plain spoken, gave a very plain spoken answer. And it, you know, it just didn't connect. But on, on some of these other ones, like the coaches, they seem to really engage on some of these questions he asks. Uh, it doesn't mean they're always, you know, it's always going to be answered the way that Jake thinks it's going to be, but some of them, they're willing to engage, especially the position coaches, uh, Freddie less so. Uh, but no, it, it brings a better perspective overall. Uh, you know, it's interesting to see how players react. And there are certain players where you can ask about other players, but you got to get some sort of flow going first. Um, there are a couple of these interviews where, you know, you talk about other players uh, and it works. But some of that is in large part because it's directly related. So, and I'm a day late on this. I was watching Greg Robinson's media availability, which is really interesting. Uh, but he's talking about various things. And then he's asked about Miles Garrett because he's going against Miles Garrett. And he can sort of talk about that. It's really weird when, like, you know, you're asking a linebacker something about, or tight end, you know, David Njoku's very strange interaction with the media when he's being asked about Baker Mayfield. Like, being asked about, like, what he's doing differently in year two, it's, it, yeah. that's an awkward question to ask in the first place. And then I'm Njoku's running my route so- and catching the ball if it comes to me. That's what I'm doing. Right. So, I mean, there's a little bit of you got to be able to read the room and sort of understand the situation. But, like, some of these guys are being at like when Sheldon Richardson's asked about Baker Mayfield, it's just weird or Oak and Joby or some of that. Yep. Like you're going to ask about something. And some of them do ask about something related. So like when miles Garrett gets asked about Oak and Joby, he didn't give it like a, a supremely thoughtful answer, but he basically said, you know, sky's the limit type thing. Uh, you know, it's all there for him type deal. And, and some of those guys are, you know, when you get the opportunity, you have like Olivier Vernon jumping in on, on Sheldon Richardson. They're like, there's ways that can work, but it's just, some of these result in some very awkward interactions that don't make sense. Now, on the other hand, you get J.C. Treader, ask him anything, uh, and, <laughs> or Joel Batonia or Miles Garrett. Some of those guys are just really thoughtful, good talkers who can give you a thoughtful response about anything. But some of these guys, you know, are, are, are basically looking at this like a trap because some of it is. They of don't want to... They don't want to step on the landmine and they just want to get, you know, get through it without, you know, they want to help you out. But at the same time, they don't want to get themselves in trouble and they look visibly uncomfortable. And you're asking them, you know, some of these strange questions, which they're not going to give you a good answer about. So and this all and this all stemmed from, you know, OTAs where, you know, Baker spoke up about Duke and probably realized it was the not right thing to do. So, you know, I mean, so basically when you're doing it now, the only thing you're going to get is a fluff piece out of it you're not going to get a real legit answer because these guys are going to feel like, well, you know, and especially because, you know, this has been a media that's done this and looked for cuts in a way to, you know, get the quick hits and the, you know, the, you know, the, you know, obviously, you know, they hit the link, read the article, you know, you're afraid that, you know, if you accidentally, because you speak too fast, you may say one word incorrectly. And then here you go. Here's three paragraphs where the linebacker doesn't like the strong safety. Yeah. Um, they're, they don't necessarily go in with a uh, malicious intent on questions, but they are 
trying to get a story. They're trying to do their job. And, and you know, some of that naturally ends up looking like that and feeling like that, especially their players. Some of them, you know, certainly view it that way. Uh, and they're, they're trained to think that way uh, in some respects. So, you know, some of that comes down to comfortability with the person asking questions. Some of it's just experience being able to read a room and some of it's knowing your audience type deal. And, and there are times when it's awkward and, and certainly God knows I've had some of those interactions where it doesn't go the way you think it will. And it, it gets weird. Uh, but you know, some of these guys have been around with some of these players that have been around and they still don't have any feel for them. And it's very odd, odd how numb they are to some of the situations, but it's nice to have a more of a technical perspective with Jake uh, I wish there was more of that. There are some questions I'd love to see asked uh, with like Freddie Kitchens. I'd love to you know, hear him ask about fourth down and two-point conversions and stuff like that. But uh, so far, you know, he's done a nice job, and hopefully he gets more comfortable with it and people get more comfortable with him. He got a shout-out from Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, calling him by name and stuff, which is, uh, I'm sure, fun for, for Jake, and a lot of people immediately shouted him out for that. So – the more good people in there, the better. And and that's, that's also helped in some respect by having some of these, you know, national media people in who are, are very good and, and, and some of the high profile being added so that you get some new blood in there. That's, you know, a little bit better, uh, that helps like, you know, Jake Trotter is fine. Yep. Uh, I think he's an improvement over what they had and that's nothing against Pat McManaman. I just, I just think Trotter's a little bit better, uh, but uh, you know I'd like to see the you know, keep getting better. And, and, and this the, the ultimate example of this is the Cleveland Cavaliers when they had LeBron and they were great. They had outstanding reporters uh, and really good interactions and questions. And as the Browns get better, I'm hoping that 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 quality gets better so that you can get more interesting answers. And they're never all going to work, but. You certainly want to see more good stuff from that. Well, I mean, you want to strive for, you know, if you have a better product, you're hoping you're going to get better coverage of it, and at least, you know, better interaction and without, you know, spilling the beans, so to speak, and that type of stuff. And even, you know, Jake had, you know, some time with Greg Robinson, and, you know, it got picked up, you know, it actually got picked up in a pro football PFT today. So, you know, good for Jake on that. And, you know, they didn't give his name. They only gave Cleveland.com, which, you know, probably stinks a little bit, but either way, a good thing. Um, one more from this section here. I'm um, actually, no, I'm sorry. I'm not going to miss my boy. Uh, Ryan Murphy. Um, are we concerned about Corbett? Um, yeah, right now, I, let's just put it as the right guard is a concern, but Pete, none of this was going to get satisfied until we start playing preseason games. And I'm curious how it's going to go. I mean, is this rotation going to go into the preseason games? Is each one of these guys going to get a start? It may be trending that way. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I think Freddie hit it right on the head in that he wants somebody to take control of this job. And I think I know who they want to do it. Uh, and in talking to Jeff Risden yesterday, I think. Yeah, that, that downed it a little bit. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I would say it's a positive, negative type thing. So a lot of the things Jeff Riston was talking about with, with Corbett sounded like a guy who's not confident and comfortable 
playing on the other side. And Corbett sort of talked about this and his mental process in terms of sometimes catching himself, uh, thinking backwards and such. But the way Jeff Riston was talking about what he's seeing, it just sounded like a guy who's not there yet in terms of being confident. Because if you watch Corbett at Nevada, you watch him last year at left guard, like he's just a nasty fucker. I mean, there's no other way. He's just a giant cock. Uh, who is going to bury you into the ground and keep burying you. And if I'm not seeing that, it makes me think he's thinking too much. And, you know, if he can shake that off, then he's going to be really effective, I think. And I think he will take hold of that job. And I think that's what they're hoping for. Now, I personally don't agree with the idea that they're rotating three of them. But at the same time, you know, if, if if they're all getting a ton of reps, that's great. But, you know, if, if he's not in the first team, chances are he's probably not getting as many reps. Uh, or, I, you know, I, I'm not 100% on that, but that would be my concern. Well, the thing is, he's you know, Corbett's getting the right guard reps, and then when he's not the right guard, he's a second team center. And it's, well, if this is the guy and you spent a quality pick on him, you know, he should be getting as many reps at right guard as possible. And it almost feels a little bit like they've kind of done a disservice to Austin Corbett right now to this point. It was, all right, you're going to be the left tackle. That's not working out so well. We're going to put Joel out there for a couple of days. You'll be the left guard. Okay, well, no, that Joel's going to go there. We'll just start Desmond Harrison. Uh, take some center snaps. And now it's, well, we need a right guard, so go play right guard, son. And you, you're all, you know, basically, you know, it's like a basketball player who's only good going right. Well, no, look, I need you to start doing you know, going left. you, you got to be able to switch it up. And I, I think within, you know, I guess, with, you figure, what is it, 16, you know, maybe 15, 16 months now of him being with the Cleveland Browns, it's it's been a lot on his plate as far as what his role is today and as far as just finding a place and, and setting up shops, so to speak. Um, I, I certainly can see that side of it. I don't get caught up too much in where guys are because so much of it is – you know, they're just certain, you know, their technique, there are certain ways to do things. Now, granted, nevertheless, that doesn't change the fact that, you know, if you're moving around, you're not getting a chance to, to get super comfortable in the spot. What I want to see is within the next few days, maybe a week, they pull the plug on Kyle Kalis as a starter. He's not going to be a starter. It, 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 he makes too many damn mental mistakes. Uh, I, I think I think Eric Cush is the baseline uh, that if they're not happy with the position, he'll be the starter. Uh, you know, it, it, they want Corbett to get better than him um, to, to ultimately take, rest control of that job and really take it. I think if if they're they're not comfortable with where Corbett's at, that's that's ultimately what happens. But I think what I'd like to see is. Yeah. Again, I could be dead wrong. I, I would I would be thrilled because uh, you know Kalis is a very strong dude. He, he can move guys off the ball, but if he's not fixing his mental mistakes quickly uh, and and getting caught where protections are wrong or he's not going you know going to the right spot or whatever, that you 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 at least make this go down to two guys. So if you're saying, you know, if you're not giving all the reps to Corbett, which is, I'm not saying you need to, 
but I'd at least like to not have three guys doing this so you can get some more continuity there and, and basically admit to the fact that you're basically saying we want Corbett to get to a point where he's better than Cush to take control of that job. And if, if this drags on, then, then I, you know, if they're, if they're, you know, into the preseason games, repping three guys, I'd be very concerned at that point uh, because it's at that point, I'm not convinced they can get any of them where they need to, but you know, I, I, I'm fully prepared to be dead wrong, but I'm just looking at this at some point you've got to, at some point very quickly, I think you've got to move on from three guys to get down to two. Uh, I do agree there, and this may be one thing, though, where you get some reps, at least in the first preseason game, obviously with the scrimmage coming up, where there's at least some film to, you know, some good film to evaluate. And, you know, J.C. Treader and Joel Batonio, offensive line coach, obviously, they can all sit down and say, all right, well, this is, this here's what you did wrong. Here's how you correct it quickly. And, you know, maybe you're going to need some of that to actually, you know, hope you get Cor- Corbett further down the line. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I'm the right guard today. I won't be the right guard again for two to three days because uh, if we get an off day, which, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it should be the point. If, if Corbett is just not getting it done well enough, then you get him the hell out of there and get somebody else in there. And if they're not doing better and then start the next day from there, I, I, I just don't know the right approach. But the revolving door right now at right guard, no, that really cannot just make anybody feel comfortable at this point. Uh, next question here from at Skag Daddy. Um, and some thanks on the 500. Thanks. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a fun ride. Uh, hopefully, you know, we're going to blow through a couple hundred more here through 2019 and obviously hopefully for some better times. Uh, considering the Browns, I, I don't know if they're going to keep six safeties, but his question what? is... No, no, no. His question essentially is, with the way the defensive backs and Wilkes, obviously, with the four-two-five, and that he plays so much more nickel, is it going to lead to some defensive backs costing, you know, how many linebackers do you keep if you're going to play this much nickel? Uh, my guess right now is five. Um, I think so. Joe, Kirk, Sione, uh, Taki, Taki, and, and then and then two guys to be determined. I, or, I, I, I think Taylor stays because he's got the special teams pedigree. Maybe. I mean, the problem the, is the, the, the contract is not enough where you're going to blink an eye either way. Right. Well, I mean, it's the thing is if he doesn't have a, you know, I, I think he's rolling with Sam Packer right now. I don't know how long that's going to last. Maybe if he can keep it, then he's certainly going to make it. But uh, I don't know that any of them is so all of the guys they have in there are are in there at least partly because of special teams. All of them. Um, Mac Wilson was drafted in part because of special teams. Uh, you know, Diedrich, uh Young, the second uh, Willie Harvey, uh, the kid Stubbs, all those guys have to be able to be viable on special teams if they're going to make this team. After those initial two, and then Taki Taki, the next couple guys have to be able to co- contribute on special teams. So in that sense, I do think Taylor has an advantage, but I don't think he's guaranteed anything. I, mean, I think he certainly has to earn it. But that's that's why I've said all along. I don't think. You know, Mac Wilson is guaranteed nothing, and I don't think he, you know, is promised a roster spot. Maybe they'll keep a sixth linebacker, but I think by virtue of the fact that they're going to keep 
that they are going to play so much of this four-two-five that they're going to keep an, you know maybe a fifth safety or you know another corner or whatever. But you don't need that many guys. It's very easy to call up somebody to to fill in at depth uh, and another special teams guy if need be. Like at this point. Uh, I am I am assuming that, you know, if somebody gets injured, you know, whether it's Schobert or, 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 uh, or Kirksey at this point, the Taki-Taki becomes the next man up. Uh, I don't think that's really a question. I, I assume it's if Schobert goes down, uh, that Taki-Taki goes in there. And if, if Kirksey goes down, then it's a question of whether they want to move Schobert and put Taki-Taki at Mike Becker or they're perfectly happy to put Taki-Taki at Will. Either way. I think those are your three main dudes up there. And then it's a question of those next two spots. Is it Taylor? Because he does have some experience on the field and it has shown value in special teams. Is it Mac Wilson? Does, does a guy like Ray, Ray, yeah, Ray, 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 Ray Armstrong, who's like a linebacker in name only, uh, who's really more of that safety anyway. But yeah, I mean, those, those next two spots are special teams and maybe there's somebody they fit. Uh, you know, if it's a question of is the fifth linebacker or I'm sorry, sixth linebacker is more valuable than a fifth safety in terms of special teams, that may be the deciding factor. But you do need to sort of slant your depth chart slightly. And I think the one more, less linebacker is ultimately the way they're going to likely do it. Normally, you keep about six. If they're planning on playing a lot of two linebackers then naturally, the number goes down to five. Yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, because you know, like you, you, there's going to there's going to be a couple of you know, it's going to seem odd to some people, some cuts that are going to come on this defense. Um, and look, this is part of being a better team, it's part of being a better roster, but it's also part of the fact that you know, you know defensive line, you're going to go seven, eight. Um, you're going to, I mean, a lot of these corners, unless you can get some value, you're not going to want to just unload them you know just flat out drop them uh you're gonna go at least four safeties it's it's you guys are gonna be surprised labor day weekend and it's it's gonna be in a good way uh in the long run because that's where this roster currently is but there's gonna be there's definitely gonna be some surprises that roll through on labor day weekend uh zabel apparel uh you know obviously i love the guys over there um made by cleveland browns fans um, made by diehard Cleveland Browns fans. For diehard Cleveland Browns fans, get unique tees like the Dogfather, Darth Baker, and Cleveland and the Masters of the AFC North at Zabo Apparel, a veteran-owned business. Shop online at www.zaboapparel.com or stop in the store at 5571 Liberty Avenue in Vermilion. Um, I, I appreciate them, and obviously they've done some great shirts. And for a company like this, where it's you know somebody who served our country coming back, you know, finding a way to you know provide for his and hers, absolutely, those are the those are the ones that'll always always be good in my book. So thanks to the folks at Zabo Apparel. We got one more here, Pete, and this is, I mean, and we had talked, we've talked about this a lot, and uh, this again comes from uh, at Luckbuck, and he, uh, at underscore Luckbuck, and he's been bringing some seriously good questions for us, and I appreciate anybody who brings them to me. Um, we're getting to the points now, guys, where I get like 20 a day, and I kind of have to filter on through. Best opportunity is to get them to me early, and best way to probably get them in. Um, 
with the offensive line the way it's currently constructed, um, and last year, obviously, Pete, and we talked about this a ton, they, you know, it's really rare that you can start the offensive line of your choosing week in, week out, which they got to do in 2018. Um, could they possibly sustain a hit on this offensive line this year? Uh, and that, yes, the answer is yes. Um, and, and I noticed today, uh, listening to Forbes, apparently Kendall Lamb was playing some right tackle. So that's something at least, uh, to keep an eye on. Uh, if one of the tackles goes down, Kendall Lamb can go in and I think will be functional. Uh, if they sustain an injury on, in the interior, I think, you know, I, I, I again, I think Corbett is ultimately going to win that right guard job, but Eric Cush is quality, a, a quality depth player there. Kyle Kalis is, it looks like he should be at least functional. Uh, I, I think they'll be okay. Um, and part of that is because none of their, you know, at the tackle position, none of them have been great. So you're not really going down that far when you go from, let's say Chris Hubbard to, to Kendall Lamb. I mean, Lamb had a better season last year than, than Hubbard did. Uh, or, or Greg Robinson goes down and you've got to move Kendall Lamb in there. Uh, I don't think it's the end of the world, it, but that's because you don't, you're not losing Joe Thomas at this point. You're losing guys who are functional, but not great uh, to this point. Now, if you lose Joe Batonio or J.C. Treader, it's a bad deal, but it's not, not death to this team the way it was last year where you were basically praying to get through it because you, you had so little depth. I give John Dorsey a lot of credit for attacking the offensive line depth this year and getting Kendall Lamb on a nothing contract for a very capable uh, tackle that I think could theoretically, you know, in an honest competition, maybe that's what they're having. Maybe it's not between he and Hubbard. I'm not sure he doesn't beat out Hubbard. And then you get Cush on a nothing deal. He's, he's a, a quality veteran and you've got a guy like Kyle Kalis who can compete. Like it's, you're not in that same uh, high wire act you were last year where you were play- playing without a net where, if, you know, Greg Robinson went down, you were back in Desmond Harrison uh, land or, you know, the interior was such a, 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 a bigger weakness where Kalis was being brought off the, uh, brought off the uh, practice squad. And he was, you know, super, uh, raw and still figuring things out like that could have been an absolute disaster. Fortunately, JC Treader, you know, gutted it out the whole year because that could have put them in a really bad situation. Uh, but they are more equipped. Now, that doesn't mean they need to, you know, it doesn't mean that the Browns will be fine if they start getting guys hurt. It's just they can afford to lose a guy for a week or a few or, you know, God forbid the worst happens. It's not the end of the world. It's just not great. Uh, and yeah, I, I would say, you know, I mean, they have more of a strength and numbers approach going into this camp this year, which is, you know, w- you know, which is a really, really good thing. And, you know, it, but it just, I mean, I don't know the handling Corbett for me where it's, he's got to worry about center duties one day and all the calls that are going on there. And, you know, where you're trying to hope that he takes over the right guard position. It's just still, still weird for me. Pete league wise, Browns wise, anything we missed. Yeah. Drew Locke sucks. He's a boss. Move on. Uh, no, I mean, nothing particularly, although I do think Drew Locke is not very good so far. Um, well, for a guy who was going to go 10 overall to then end up going wherever, he, uh, 41 or whatever the hell it was, for Christ's sakes. Um, yeah, uh, you know, the mighty fell pretty quick on that one. 
So, yeah, I mean, I don't think anything particularly notable has gone on. I think, you know, in part because of the, I mean, there, there have been some small roster moves by a few teams, but, you know, I don't think anybody wanted to do too, anything too crazy, uh, you know, with the Hall of Fame game and this thing going off. Uh, Melvin Gordon's agent seems to have politely asked for a trade. I don't think he's going to get. Uh, yeah, right. And I'll tell you what right now, I mean, if, if the deal was somewhere where it was $10 million per, I mean, I want to see the numbers, but I, I don't know if you can be that upset, buddy. Right. Yeah, that's the, part. the other thing. Like, people are suggesting, like, weird trade designations. Like, somebody threw out the Packers. Like, that's not who the Packers are. They just aren't. And they've got a really good running back, I think, if he can stay healthy. In, in And I know you're a big fan of him, too, and Aaron Jones. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's not who the Packers are. Like, Melvin Gordon getting paid a ton of money to go watch uh, Aaron Rodgers largely throw the ball around. Exactly. Uh, make a ton of sense. No, I, I, I think they will ultimately get this thing figured out. I think Melvin Gordon's ultimately going to cave in, in so far as caving really is. I think he will get a nice payday. It's just not what he really wants. And it's just the, welcome to reality at the running back position. It's not going in a good direction. I think we've talked about this before. I think the league's going to have to sort of step in and figure out a way to uh, come up with a, a non-capped minimum or something because uh, you know they, at the one point some of the star the absolute stars of the league are tailbacks uh you know Todd Gurley some of these others are great 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 players Zeke Elliott those type of guys hopefully Nick Chubb is in that group and they're making nothing basically nothing uh in terms of money so there's got to be some well, and, and it's that's where it seems weird because it's almost like uh you're 26 you're done in the NFL. And it's a guy who hasn't had any injury history. And that is the weirdest part about it. It only seems like it's, you know, it only seems like it's biased to one position. Because, like, you would think maybe, you know, maybe linebacker would get the equivalent hit. It ain't. It's certainly not getting that hit. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's it's tough. You know, again, I, I relate it to the current baseball situation where, you know, they're, these guys are under uh, team control for so long, maybe get arbitration a year or two, and then when they finally get out and ready to sign a big contract they all think they've been waiting for, uh, then, you know, they're, they're already essentially aged out and no one wants to pay them a fat contract. Uh, that is welcome to the running back uh, right now. But outside of a few guys, it's, it's slim pickings. It's it's just so weird, and you know it's you know it's maybe for younger listeners, it's probably not that weird for you. For me, oh yeah, I mean, could you imagine a guy like Emmett Smith today, um, you know, winning you know rushing title after rushing title, or even a Walter Payton, or you know these guys that I grew up watching, which were was such a key position, and now it's like, well, no, I don't want you. I'll just take, I'll just get four, I'll just get four other guys. It, it just seems weird in that respect. And again, it's the most dangerous position in the game, and that's the toughest part. Of it this um you can always follow pete at underscore pete smith underscore pete tell everybody about browns maven what's hopping over there buddy uh so today i did a thing on the kicking uh and talking about how i think this is ending john dorsey's honeymoon period which somebody took his criticism it's not all it is is i think Finally, got to the point where people are willing to have a more honest conversation about, you know, 
understanding that great moves are great. He, he got Baker Mayfield. He got Odell Beckham. He did all these things that are great, but he's not beyond reproach in terms of like people not being thrilled with the kicker, not being thrilled with Chad Thomas's return so far, being understandably concerned about Austin Corbett and, and some of those other moves or looking at perhaps uh, some options not taken in terms of some of these defensive tackles or, or as we talked about earlier, Trey Boston, that you can both love what John Dorsey's doing, but you don't have to be a sycophant and go, everything is great, or he's got a plan for everything when, you know, he's going to make mistakes. He's not going to hit on everything. And some of these things are, are going to work out better than he thought. And some of these things aren't going to work out and that's okay. But at least we can have an honest conversation about it as opposed to just going, Oh, it's great. You can't criticize him. It means you're not a real fan or, or whatever. Uh, but, and then you know, for tomorrow, I'll have more on Sione Taki Taki uh, and, and go on from there. Um, guys, you can listen to the videos and actually get the full extent of it. And here, prime example, last year, 2018 draft, you drafted Jannard Avery, number 150 overall. 2019 draft, you drafted Austin Seibert, 170 overall. It's, it's, it's still a good pick. You can find maybe a player that's going to make your roster, a Saquon Hampton. Uh, a Michael Dogbay, a Cortez Broughton, and you know, and you know the listeners of the show because when I put this tweet up there, a bunch of them they came with the names, and they yes. know that which was great, and that's what you love to see. And look, don't gamble on a specialist who is going to be. Oh well, we're going to need that big kick in November. Okay, well, what about the fifteen hundred plays before the big kick in November? That's part of it. Look, if you if you were stacked through your first, uh, you know, obviously your first 46 on your game day, uh, or let's go 45, because obviously there's a, you know, there's a long snapper, there's a kicker, there's a punter. Uh, if you really stacked in your first 45 on game day, you're maybe not that concerned about who's actually doing the kick and stuff, guys. It's, you know, give me the best 45 players. Uh, you know, you can find a, you know, I mean, how many times, oh, well, this guy was substitute teaching US2 at a high school where he grew up, you know, two weeks ago now he's kicking field goals you know in a key game you can always find those guys and look i mean kicker could almost be like you know and for all you fantasy players it could be the your free agent wire picker up of the week you can always find those guys get the strongest players at the positions that matter first oh the other thing that happened that we will get understandably crushed if we don't talk about is uh phil dawson uh, yes. signing a one-day contract to retire with the Cleveland Browns after 19 years in the league. And that is that is only a day after I was getting people on my mentions complaining that the Browns needed to sign him to, to be there. outside. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, he's going to retire with the eighth all-time most field goals made in a career. Uh, uh, you know, played 14 years with the Browns. I fully expect somehow Ring of Honor, something will happen. I hope they don't retire his number. I, God bless him. He's a kicker. He's not freaking Lou Groza. Um, but you know, he had a great career, was a great representative, obviously made a number of big kicks uh, for the Browns, even with all the shit that happened, you know, the, 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 the kick that bounced off the crossbar to get through against the Ravens. 
some of those big kicks uh, was obviously very good. And, you know, he's clearly uh, he's, he's clearly a standard for Browns fans. Is it anyone that kicks? Uh, even though I will point out every time people complain that Zane Gonzalez's rookie year was the same as freaking Phil Dawson's, he is the standard in which kickers are compared. And if anybody's not as good as Phil Dawson, there's somebody who's pissed off about it. Yes, um, and he's not Adam Vinatieri people, Vinatieri people, but Phil Dawson, yes. Yeah. I mean, look, you do anything for 19 years, bravo, absolutely. And he seems excited about the fact he's going to be in town for the weekend and all of that and signing the one-day contract. And, you know, look, that's you know what you hope for. I mean, if you can get a specialist for 14 freaking years, there is nothing wrong with that. Um, but, again, it's the biggest gamble there is. I will gamble on a positional player before I will ever gamble on a specialist, you all know this. Uh, Brownsmaven.com, make sure you're following over there. Uh, Brownsmaven, go over there, set up, become a member, jump in the uh, forums, get interactive. And guys, actually, like I said, listen, it's literally, it's like a two-minute abbreviated podcast on a specific point. So don't react to the headline. And look, and again, we've done this forever now. It's not that John has done a bad job. No one is ever saying that. But, uh, Pete's work over Browns Maven, it's done day to day. Locked on Browns, it is done day to day. So we literally will take every move that is made as it comes. Uh, no, uh, I look at this roster. I look at the fact that they predicted to be the AFC North champions. I don't have a problem with John Dorsey, but I can say eh, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, and, you know, I've been following football for thir- over 30 years now. And Pete's close to, you know, at his age, he's close to 25, 30 himself. This is what we're doing, and it's it's okay to do it. And not everything it's you know, and and like maybe some get excited, and you know Nathan Zagar with the full doors, and that's great. You know I understand, but if you truly want to look at it as a day to day, and look, every opportunity is there to be a more knowledgeable fan, be a more knowledgeable football person. There's so much to it, and so I get it. It's okay to take every single thing as it comes and view it as it comes. There's nothing wrong with it, guys. It is. Um, but trust me, yeah, I mean, come you know, week one versus Tennessee, we're going to be salivating in the mouth, waiting to see what this product can do. Absolutely. We're not stupid. We're not blind. We know what's been brought in here. Um, so with that, the Lockdown Browns Super account, all lower cases. Uh, make sure you're following over there. DMs are open. Follow back account. Uh, questions you want in the show, you guys are starting to get more and more receptive with that. Like I, like I will keep telling you, the earlier you get your question in, it's probably better because – me, usually the script starts to get drawn up, you know, anytime after lunchtime. And that's when I start jotting stuff down. Obviously, you know, once, uh, you know, camp practice has ended, the notes go in and, you know, questions, da, da, da. So the earlier you get those in, the better. So some of you guys are picking up on that smart smart move on your parts over there, guys. Um, me, personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Make sure you're uh, following over there. Yes, the DMs are open there. Uh, yeah, porn bots, whatever. And apparently I have... A cousin in Nigeria, and we have a mutual grandfather who passed away, and he's really looking to hook me up with some money. So, by all means, I'm going to click on every link that he keeps sending me over there to make sure that. Um, I know, know that's I, because you're not as athletic as you would be. It would have been nice, though, Pete. It really would have been nice. It would have been really, 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 really nice. Like I, like I always tell my little brother. Uh, you know, I'm five foot eleven. My little brother is six foot two, and I said, if I got your body, you'd never see me anymore. I'd be in L.A. living the high life, or I'd be living in Florida freaking 
no state income tax. I could have used that six foot two frame. Um, be smarter too. What's up? Probably be smarter too. If you're nah, he's a Nigerian. Oh yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I would know how to build people out of money, Pete. So yeah, absolutely. Um, with that, we're going to put a close on this, guys. Um, but look, it's been a fantastic. We're now a full week in with football to talk about at the freaking yin yang which is great and it's just going to only even get better um a week from now we're all going to be sitting down watching a preseason browns football game which is something to whet the appetite you know a poor pete's over there struggling trying to watch denver atlanta right now and i god bless the big guy god bless you on that standpoint <laughs> this game's just getting, gotten so ugly but it's fine it's fine i'm so aggravated the mets already played today I am, because that's where I'd be headed next. Um, and uh, to all, um, obviously the Cleveland listeners, I didn't know this. Uh, apparently, in a couple of weeks, Indians are traveling to City Field, so we can bust each other's chops over that for a couple of days. Um, Mets are need, well, they might not need those wins then, but if things go the way they're currently going, they might need those wins. But it'll be nice to see, uh, you know, Puig and Reyes and the rest of those bashers come on into uh, Queens, New York and play the match, so we'll have some fun with that. Um, so your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Been there, done that. It, this show's done. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns. <laughs>